0: By the time you hear this podcast, you'll willingly move to the back of the bus.
1: the type of people made the club before. Many a day has passed, the night has gone by, but still I find the time to put that bomb off in your eye. Total chaos but these playoffs. I we was absent. and we're taking another route to represent the Dungeon family like Grey Day. Me and my nigga decided to take the back way. We stab in every city, then we headed to that back cave. Hey, ATL, Georgia, what do we do for ya? get hoes like them Georgetown halliers. Boy, you the silly, think my room is sitting pretty. Doing donuts Why you suckers like them suckers around titties. Damn, we the committee, gon' burn it down But us gon' bust you in the mouth with the chorus now Say, I have pushed that Everybody move to the back
0: the Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast I'm Greg
2: I'm Ben
0: And we're back with another episode This is episode 148 Thank you for joining us And while I don't know if anyone's caught on to what I've done the last couple of episodes It'll be too easy Uh for to for this one so i gotta mix it up so i'll say that we are the uh we are the um we are the everly brothers of podcasting <laughs> <laughs> had to throw you off a little bit on that one. <laughs> Oh man go look them up <laughs> <laughs> so uh everyone welcome to the podcast um Welcome to the live stream. If you're watching on Twitch, if you want to catch us on Twitch uh, next time, go to twitch.tv slash by the time you hear this, that is the uh, urban spelling. So with the letter U and um, join us, join the chat. I probably don't see it, but you know, at least, you know, you'll see us and all that good stuff. Um, and if you could, you're watching, you can see on the screen where you can follow us on social media and subscribe to the podcast um, leave us a review that'd be dope yeah we we want more reviews Um, and we're gonna borrow from Bramani Jones you know <laughs> give us five stars because if you give us four stars we're more inclined to believe that you are a hater
2: mm-hmm. on the haterade and you got
0: hateration and holleration mm-hmm. all in the podcastery <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid <laughs> <laughs> but it's real though it's yeah. true yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's, um, let's get into some music news as we always start our show. Uh, well, actually before that, because I keep forgetting to ask this question when when I have guests that I remember, (laughs) but when we don't have one, then I forget. So Ben, what have you been listening to recently?
2: Uh, you know, just some, some, uh, pop rock music, which is what I love. Um, and then of course I've been so I've been listening to a lot more podcasts lately. Uh mostly podcasts about the Hawks because they are kicking ass and taking names in the playoffs right now. Um
0: I wanna I, I don't know if you if you listen to it, but I wanna recommend one to you because I know the guy. Which one? Uh Hawks Beat.
2: Oh, I subscribe, yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: Shout out to, to E Dub. Yes, yes. Uh he he does a a podcast after every Hawks game.
2: I didn't know you knew him.
0: Yeah. I, I was, that I saw him at the games.
2: Nice, okay. Yeah.
0: So yeah, he's a, a beat writer for the Hawks and um, has his own website and everything. Of course, his own podcast. So if y'all are a Hawks fan, check out the Hawks Beat podcast.
2: Yeah, my main to listen to that I'm subscribed to right now are him and uh, Locked On with Brad Roland because he just sounds like an everyman, <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest way possible. But he just sounds like just sounds like one of like a fan just just making a podcast. Um I'm sure he's good at a lot of things but I just yeah he just you know he's with it. Um so I've been listening to a lot of podcasts like that. Um and then of course with music just you know a lot of the same pop rock stuff that I listen to. Um I'm trying to think of albums I've been listening to recently. Just kind of how like you for you keep forgetting to ask I just didn't think you would ask so now I don't know <laughs> what I've been listening to but let's see most recently played from my playlist, oh, I got my 90s dance party, our 90s pop party, which has um, all the good stuff like the Spice Girls, the Cardigans, TLC, Smash Mouth, um, Hanson, Counting Crows. So, you know, the stuff that I listen That's to. That's a VH1 dance party. Yeah, all the <laughs> stuff I listen to kind of coming up, you know, um, is the stuff I've been listening to. And then, of course, still working on my my – well, was an EP now it is a, essentially an LP. I have I, got like 9 or 10 songs hmm. on it like it's not an EP anymore. That'd <laughs> be that'd be criminal to call it an EP at this point.
0: All right, so we'll be looking out for that over the well n- the next month. Technically yeah,
2: next yeah, July month, 21st so. is the is the date I'm going to drop it. It's not a Friday but I don't care, it's my birthday, so so we're going to do things.
0: All right. Um what about I, you? I've been listening to uh <clears throat> I have a playlist of of course I have a playlist. I have a playlist of um <laughs> the like of 80 songs that I think are well produced.
2: Hmm. Okay, which ones you got on there?
0: Um so I have uh um I have some simple minds. Oh, That's a great band. Um that's Duran great. Duran.
2: Yeah, that's some great production. <laughs> um
0: the B52s.
2: Okay the Georgia
0: group. Uh, uh, Hall & Oates.
2: Okay. <laughs> Fleetwood
0: Mac. Like, Tango in the Night is an underrated album.
2: So that right had right? Big Love on it, right?
0: That Big Love oh, and did. Little Lies.
2: One of my favorite songs. Yeah. What about um, Hold Me? Was that on there? Um. Or was that another album?
0: I think that was the previous one.
2: Okay. Now, I like that song, but yeah, Little Lies, great song. Still gets covered. You ever hear Hillary Duff's cover of that? No. Well, it's not bad. It's not bad. It was a more mature Hillary Duff. It wasn't like um our lips are sealed <laughs> Hillary Duff <laughs> with Haley Duff. It, this is a more mature Hillary Duff. So yeah. Um, what else did I have? Uh hmm.
0: Don Henley, The Boys of Summer.
2: Sunset Grill. Was that the name of the album? Sunset?
0: Uh Building the Perfect Beast. Okay, okay. That was the album. Uh some Peter Gabriel. <laughs> um Tears for Fears, Mm. Uh, haircut one hundred. Like if you listen to Beyond uh, Love Plus One, it's actually like um, that's like 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 some good like it's like part ska, Mm
3: -hmm. a lot
0: of Caribbean rhythms,
3: um,
0: a lot of uh, I think one guy like he he, the way he played guitar was more of a punk style, Mm -hmm. but it's more that part of the sophista pop um stuff that we did an episode on and um of course some prefab sprout style council I love The Smiths. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, The Smiths. That's that's if we can find somebody that that should be an episode one day.
0: We could probably get Tim cuz they're I I I I want Tim to tell the story. Um I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> but there there's a story Connected to the Smiths, um, <laughs> that is just so that it's it's a little bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to pump it yeah. up too much, but it's just funny to me. But I, I don't I don't know if he if he likes telling the story
2: very much, gotcha. but it's funny because they were huge in England. I just don't yeah. remember. I don't know how much it translated over here.
0: I think the only like how soon is now, yeah. and yeah. maybe this charming man maybe crossed over to America, but. Not that much.
2: Yeah. I just always hear about how big of a deal they are. Yeah. But it's always in the UK.
0: (laughs) Yeah. where like, you know how people have, you know, you want someone to go out and get a job. Mm -hmm. Being a pop star is one of those jobs you can go out and get in the UK. (laughs) That's how, (laughs) that's how they look. They just look at music totally different. Uh, But yeah, that's what, that's what I've been listening to. Um, And, uh, so any suggestions uh you can email us hit up us hit us up on our social media mm-hmm. for 80 songs that you think are well produced, well put together, they sound good, they uh, then they they're not they don't have to be they don't have to be timeless, <clears throat> but they just still sound good when
2: you mm-hmm. hear them today. So, sonically yeah. son put like sonically, uh, ah, sonically appealing. Yes. is what I've heard um not Bitter O'Rourke, that's another guy. I can't think of his name now. The guy who I always, I've talked about him before, not Finn McKinty, but he has a YouTube channel, and he's a producer, and he talks about that, like, sonically pleasing, you know, space in the mix, things like that. So, yeah, send our way. All right, um,
0: so now we'll get into some music news. Uh, so Coachella and Stagecoach, those festivals, which were planning to come back in October... Of this year will push it back to April 2022. And, um, you going? You going, bro? <laughs> uh, no, <nah. laughs> hard pass. Um, so we have North America's largest multi-genre music festival and Stagecoach, the largest country music festival. And the Golden Voice president and chief executive, Paul Tolitz said, we look forward to being in the desert next April with all of our friends. And he said, we look, uh, well, yeah, that's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I thought he said something different at the top of the article, but it was the same quote. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Golden Voice, who organizes both festivals, announced that they'll be returning in the spring uh, with Coachella the first weekend. Uh, well with uh, april the 15th to the 17th and then 22nd to 24th and then stagecoach will be april 29th to may 1st uh lineups have not been announced yet um but there will be a payment plan program opening this week <laughs> so you never know who's playing but you can go ahead and get your tickets um put them on layaway no <laughs> stop the people come on <laughs> So the decision to not return October, will uh, that will hurt Palm Springs businesses, I suppose. But uh, the shortened time frame be- between when they would actually do it to, uh, from like, if they were going to do it now, but then let's move it to October, that was too short of a time for them to get everything ready. I guess they weren't even trying to get ready before, <laughs> so... Uh, and California health officials didn't announce that festivals will be allowed to return yeah. until but, late March. So they didn't even, so that's, that's how they I didn't even know if they were going to be able to, to do, do it. With
2: it. Cause they're still, I mean, I was just out in LA a couple of weeks ago and uh, there's a lot that's still pretty locked up.
0: Tight but check, now. check this out. This is what they said in the article. And I know what, I know what people will think about when they hear this. So in late March, California health officials announced that festivals could, could return. Giving Golden Voice less than six months to plan <laughs> and to book and sell tickets for two festivals that normally take 12 to 18 months of planning.
2: You know what that sounds like, right? Hmm? No, that
0: sounds what does that like not right. sound like? It's what does that not sound like? <laughs> <laughs> what
2: does that not sound like? Let's do it and be legends. <laughs> 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 that's all I have to say. Just yeah, do, it do it and be legends. legends, man. Be legends.
0: No, you you don't have don't try to be legends. <laughs> so, um they decide to push it back and uh yeah. That's so, well, that's
2: probably the smart thing to do.
0: Yeah, because I mean around April, if it's, you know, mid-April to early May is that, you know, that's when the festivals, people are um thinking about festivals going like that's where they get planning to go. This is about spring break time for a lot of, for a lot of, you know, it's a lot of high school and college students that will go. Yeah. Um, so the spring break lines up a lot for a lot of them. So, you know, if you, if you go back to like when we normally do it, then, you know, people say, well, we missed it for 2020 and 2021, but it's still coming back, Mm -hmm. you know, um, not like the with the nba season i don't know when they're going to get back on regular schedule and everyone be okay because
2: <laughs> this year has been a disaster
0: like look i'm a miami heat fan i know we lost i know we got swept
2: Well, the bubble magic everyone says
0: like i one that narrative is stupid i agree talking so like, about oh see they were like y'all waited until the they were the sixth seed mm-hmm. so if you had been saying that all season I can understand, but to wait until they're eliminated from the playoffs to say, oh, see, see, it was just the bubble. The next six weeks after the finals, <laughs> the next season yeah. started. Let's go, guys. Six weeks.
2: Yeah, that's a really quick turnaround.
0: Like, look at if you look at a team like Atlanta or New York, they got a fresh start. Mm-hmm. They got more of a fresh start yes. because uh, they didn't even play in the bubble.
2: Nope, did not. We sucked.
0: So I, I mean Philly got kicked. Philly was out in the first round. Um and Utah lost in the first round. But those are the top seeds in each conference. Yeah. Phoenix, they went 8-0 in the bubble but they didn't make the playoffs. Which is- they add Chris Paul yeah. and now they're refreshed.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, so I think that I think fatigue has something to do with it. That's why the mm. Lakers struggled. <clears throat> And look at the Western Conference teams, like the rest of the Conference Finals last year was the Lakers and the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets,
2: uh, where are they? Can Three see seed. The, they're limping to the. But they they kind of <laughs> limp there, and their yeah.
0: best one of their best players, Long is out. Is down, yeah. Boston, they were supposed to, they were supposed to beat Miami last year. Yeah. Damn. But once Bam made that block, <laughs> it's been all downhill. <laughs> but now. Uh, we can check the score right now, but they're 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 done. Brooklyn was up by like twelve in the fourth quarter, and that game should be over now. But they were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah. Uh yeah, Brooklyn Brooklyn won. So Boston is out. So some big changes are gonna be made there. And they lost one of their players too.
2: Yeah, Jalen so. Brown. Georgia's own.
0: But six weeks between the end of the season and the next season we were really like, no, no excuses. Like, these guys normally have four months yeah. off, and they're also trying to play in the Olympics. Yeah, man, no, I don't think
2: that's, <laughs> I don't think any none of the top players should be playing in the Olympics. No, yeah, no.
0: Get see, they should if they had planned for this, but they're so worried about losing, and they feel like if they win by less than thirty, then that's losing. <laughs> then you know, get the best college
2: players. I would or like players that, that are going
0: into if they're going into the draft. Like some Christian Leitners? Yeah, it, I mean, but there are no Christian Leitners to get.
2: Well, I'm just well, you mean like I guys mean, who are going from college into the draft? Yeah. Mature players are the best players.
0: I mean, yeah. if they're freshmen or so if they're going into the draft cuz they're there's going to be a lot of one and done players? Yeah. Do it that way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Luca Garza is could play for America. But that would be one of the players you would want to get, or if it was Jalen Suggs or um,
2: Cade Cunningham,
0: Cade Cunningham, Uh, get the guys from uh, the G League at night team if Jalen Green was eligible to play. So get like this uh, this young team to play fast, and but I guess it's kind of the same thing with in college where a lot of the it doesn't matter. Whether the team, whether this one and done player wins a championship or not, it doesn't matter anymore.
2: Yeah, no, it does not at all.
0: Because you know, Cade Cunningham is going to be a top five pick. Yeah, and I thought Oklahoma State wasn't going to make the tournament. Well, I mean, <laughs> but Luca Garza, who's a senior, he might be a second round pick, and he right. was the national player of the year. But because he's a senior, it's like well, you play more than you play more than one year. What's wrong with you?
2: what's that guy? I was so I was watching that nineteen ninety six. Um, documentary who was the player that got drafted I think he got drafted to the Knicks but he was like the national player of the year and he ended up going like mid to late first round oh John Wallace yes yeah he went to Syracuse yeah he yeah. went to Syracuse went late took and, him to the final four yeah and that was around the time you know they said scouts started saying like yeah if you stay too long we think you've peaked. I remember you, and you used to say that a lot. And I was yeah. like, "No way!" And then going back and looking into history, when they started drafting those guys out early, and when like they thought they was, have a higher ceiling,
0: that was the draft that uh, that Kobe was in.
2: Steve Nash. Um, but as far as like high school players, oh, it yeah. was
0: Kevin Garnett, and then Kobe. I mm-hmm. guess as far as it starting again, because they could, you could always do it, but it was such a big risk yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. But once that happened, and then with Tracy McGrady yeah. and Jermaine O'Neal, and then we get around to Kwame Brown.
2: Who has been wilding out like <laughs>
0: but he was the number one pick. Yeah. And three of the first four picks in that draft were guys who came straight out of high school. So once that started happening, then the uh the one and done rule basically comes in because the older players weren't able to stay on rosters nope. because the team was just we're just gonna get younger because they were cheaper also. Yeah. And now it's like, well, if I have a chance to go to the NBA, if I'm looked at as a first round pick, I have to go. To, I have to go. Yeah. What am I like? If I look at, if you look at mock drafts, look at the first round for mock drafts, mm-hmm. like 85, 90% are going to be underclassmen, freshmen. Yeah. There's rarely any sophomores because it's like, well, what happened why didn't you go last year? Yeah. Why'd you play one more year? You know? And and then like maybe five percent um international players who have been playing against pros overseas. <laughs> Which always makes for me years. laugh. it's like, oh, That's why Luca has of. adjusted so well.
2: Yeah, because he's he's used to this.
0: But then the second round, seniors. <laughs> Senior juniors and seniors. And the, and the international players that Weren't really scouted that much Uh, Like that one team that drafts them That's the one that scouted
2: them Yeah And only that team (laughs)
0: Like only the Spurs uh, Scouted Manny Ginobili
2: (laughs) 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 And it's funny because it's just like That was still around the time Where it was still a little taboo To draft someone Even though he wasn't European They called him European Yeah, Like he's a European (laughs) No he's from Argentina people Look it up He's from Argentina Ugh he used to make me mad. <laughs> He's not European. Stop it. But yeah, like I'm saying, like
0: it's, you just want—they're trying to get back on the NBA is trying to get back on their schedule, and that's why I equate this with with uh, Coachella and Stagecoach. Yeah, get back on their regular yeah. schedule. Look, some things got canceled, some things got missed, but if you try to go back to okay, this is when we normally do it, and you get rush. back to as much yeah. as your tradition as possible. Then I mean, it's going to be it's going to be fine for everybody. Like, it was weird that the the Masters for 2020 got played in November, and for 2021 they went back to their regular schedule. Yeah, it's a very quick turnaround. <laughs> so uh, it's um, you know some people had to do it that way. You don't want that quick turnaround. But mm-hmm. hey, look if someone could have won the Masters twice in a span of four months. Then, <laughs> <laughs> like I think that that would have been a cool story. So that's some an, cool that's things to That's a tr- <laughs> <laughs> That would have been the answer to a trivia question, yeah. for sure. Um let's get to the uh charts before we get to our other story here. Um so we have the hot one hundred and let's see if it's right. Uh no well this is more from last week. Uh, Because the upcoming number one song will be, I think it's called Butter by BTS. They will debut at number one next week. But as far as for this week, debuting at number one is Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo.
2: Her second number one hit. Out the gate, consecutive.
0: So it's got another number one. Uh, Number two, My Life by J. Cole, 21 Savage, and Moray. Uh, Wait, is this the same...
2: Is this the same list i think it is which
0: this is the same list because, from our last episode
2: yeah which is weird because we recorded about a week we, ago. we
0: recorded last tuesday
2: yeah it should have been updated by now unless everything just stayed the exact same
0: uh no because i like yeah this is the same list as last week <laughs> um i mean we'll go through real quick uh uh, number three, Levitating, Dua Lippa featuring the Baby. It's Moving Back Up. Uh, number four, Leave the Door Open, Silk Sonic. Number five, Amari by J. Cole. Number six, Peaches, Justin Bieber, Daniel Caesar, and Givion. Number seven, Pride is the Devil, J. Cole and Lil Baby. Number eight, 95 South by J. Cole. Number nine, Save Your Tears
2: by The Weekend Ariana Grande. And number
0: 10, Kiss Me More, Doja Cat featuring
2: SZA. I had to hear Peaches in full for the first time um Sunday. And how did that make you feel? Ah, not good. It's an awful song. Um I mean it's cool that Justin Bieber has grown up. <laughs> but yeah, I just I ugh. The song just it's nonsensical. And the videos even, <laughs> the videos even worse. So much green screen.
0: Uh number for the albums, it's the same list, but cuz I think number 1 is supposed to be uh Sour. Sour. Yeah. By uh, Olivia Rodrigo. No, so, number one, uh, J. Cole debuts at number one. Number two, Be Me Up Scotty by Nicki Minaj. Number three, Against His Pain by Bag Yo. Number four, Dangerous to Double album Morgan Wallen. Number five, Future Nostalgia, Dua Lipa. Number six, Delta Cream by The Black Keys. Number seven, Justice by Justin Bieber. Number eight, Khaled Khaled by DJ Khaled. Number nine, Where Have You Gone by Alan Jackson. And number ten, Shoot for the Stars, Ain't for the Moon by Pop Smoke.
2: Have, you, so have you've been watching the playoffs, right? A little bit. Have you heard the hype song they're using, the DJ Khaled song where they sample Layla? No. Check it out later. Uh, yeah, they sampled the. Yeah, they sampled that. Um, it, it reminded me of "Let's Go" where they sampled the uh, Ozzy Osbourne riff. <laughs> so that's that's what it reminded me of when I heard it. I was just like, "What, what is, what what is this? Oh God, <laughs> why? Like, who gave them?" Yeah.
0: Um, oh well, uh, told you before that Denver was up by like eighteen. Mm-hmm. They're down by five now. So uh, <laughs> Portland see. came all the way back. So Denver could very well lose tonight and lose the series. Honestly. Mm. Um, Artist one hundred number one is J Cole. His uh, his basketball Africa League contract is up. He went home uh, oh, to like for a to deal with a. <laughs> to do with a family situation well the kind of, like you we were saying he would play three to six games he played three games
2: oh damn and they cut him
0: <laughs> see i don't know he said he left to deal with a family situation
2: that's what i say if i got cut <laughs> did you get cut no man i just personal things you know um you know just some things are bigger than basketball you know <laughs> Uh, oh, well, he tried.
0: Number two, Olivia Rodrigo. Number three, Dua Lipa. Number four, Drake. Number five, Nicki Minaj. Number six, mm-hmm. The Weeknd. Number seven, Ariana Grande. Number eight, The Black Keys. Number nine, Alan Jackson. And number 10, the nicest man in country, Luke Combs. Um, so we get to our uh other story here. Give me just a second to pull it up, because... We wanted to look at also um, how to uh, music music industry workers and how they can be helped. What can be done? Like how or how how they are dealing with um, dealing with the pandemic, because also uh, venues are receiving government grants, you know, in a way mm-hmm. to stay open and. Now I can't find that article anymore. That's weird. Oh, I know where I saw it. I think I saw it on it was this was from Rolling Stone. Mm. So, it wasn't it wasn't Billboard. Just a second to pull that up. Talk to amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Myers shout out. <laughs> let's see. Here we go. So this is an article I saw in Rolling Stone about how to help struggling music industry workers. Uh, there is a comprehensive list of uh, industry-related charities aiding those. Um, so what do you what do you think of that? As far as like charities created to help the um, to help musicians.
2: I'm down for it. And I think it's important because when you say um, everyone's not um everyone's not famous. Everyone's not Nicki Minaj, everyone's not Luke Combs, the nicest guy in country music, everyone's not BTS. So when you have things like this, it's it's thinking of the little guy. Um, because they still provide entertainment. You know, you gotta think about that guy who might hold down a house band position. Um, or that group that holds down a house band position, maybe at, at that favorite bar that you like or the favorite lounge that you like to go to. You know, they're not able to really do what they do because you know, bars have shut down. Um, then you also got to think about stage hands. You know, you got to think about people that work in the industry that don't play music, but like they, you know, maybe they're guitar tech or maybe they're sound tech or maybe they're, um, you know, just a roadie. Some you know, it <laughs> carries stuff. They got to eat, too. Um, and they can't do their work because shows aren't happening. So I think it's important and not important because I feel bad for them, because I do feel bad for them. But if we want to come out of this thing with the music industry and not just a music industry of people who were rich enough to make it, like it makes me think of, and yeah, I'm going to bring them back to sports. It makes me think of like this, um, the lockouts in the NBA or the NFL. Where you'll have the haves and the have nots. You know, you get you got the players that are making the millions and then you got the players who are making the thousands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the players making the millions, they can hold out I can hold out a whole season if I'm LeBron James. If I'm the dude who's on ten day contracts, I can't hold out. So granted, you know, there's not a charity to help them because of course, once again, we only see the LeBron James, we don't see the Skylar Mays. I mean, they're the there there is the players' association. Where
0: you know if you play a certain number of years, you get the pension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the most part, if you if you're drafted and make it through your rookie contract, <laughs> at least that yeah. you will get your pension. And yeah. with the NFL, I think it's three years, um, and or if you play a certain amount of games, a, a lot of people are looking at that as that's why Tim Tebow came back to get pension to get his pension. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to I think he's got to play four games, or he's oh, got to dr- at least dress for four <laughs> games. To get his pension.
2: Oh, that's hilarious. I didn't know that. Okay. Some people are saying that, but I was like, you don't need the money, man. I thought it was to preach. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to kneel in the end zone. He's going to change lives. Anyway.
0: um, So here's some, <laughs> here's some, uh, some music, some music foundations that you can, uh, I don't know if you can just donate to, uh, yes, they are all accepting donations. So you have the musicians foundation, uh, for 107 years old, offers up to $200 to eligible musicians who have been performing in the U.S. for at least five years. The Blues Foundation is based out of Memphis, and they are um, for North American blues musicians whose revenue streams have been severely diminished by the pandemic, of course, and it's intended for those musicians who the, where performing makes up the bulk of their income, and they have no other outlets for work. A professional blues musician in need can be considered for an award by the fund committee based on their application. Basically, the Music Cares COVID 19 Relief Fund this is from the Recording Academy's nonprofit wing. Uh, John Mayer, Father John Misty, and Leon Bridges uh, are all uh, announcing benefit initiatives during the pandemic. The IBMA, uh, the International Bluegrass Music Association. Their Bluegrass Trust Fund um, has been around since 1987, and um, they'll be uh, providing crisis assistance. The Louis Armstrong Foundation um, is providing one-time $1,000 grants to struggling musicians. It is a fund. Is it? Uh, they launched a relief fund for freelance jazz musicians. Um. So the. Yeah, so they'll have that going on, but they're currently unable to accept more aid applications, but they are still Mm -hmm. accepting donations. The Music Maker Relief Foundation, based out of North Carolina, has been providing direct financial, professional, and day-to-day relief for aging artists, mostly in the American South. Uh, So for those, uh, it's for um, being black and elderly makes them much more susceptible to severe outcomes if they get COVID-19. Uh, So they are helping older black musicians or just older musicians in general. Um, There's the help musicians in the UK. The Touring Professionals Relief Kitchen. uh, Providing meals to out of work touring professionals in need. Uh, The Folk Alliance International, which uh, aims to initially distribute 200 individual grants of five hundred dollars if they can raise 100,000. dollars So there are, and there there are lots more um yeah, on us uh, too. There are lots more uh, this is I got this from the Rolling Stone article. This was actually published back in February, but it's something that um is still relevant today. I think mm-hmm. there're still a lot of musicians, you know, you make your money touring or just playing somewhere in public. Yeah. Um, playing shows is, is how you make your money. It's not just, you know, your album sales and, and what if, what if it's a cover band, a successful cover band, and this is what they do every day. And now they can't because there are no place, there's no place to play shows. You know, that's, that's, uh, and they not, they don't all have day jobs. No. You know, so it, it can't be looked at that way. Like, oh, just go get a day job. Like, they can't just do that. Yeah, what skills? <laughs> Some don't have the skills otherwise. Yeah. It... You know, like, well, they could teach. Teach where? Yeah. <laughs> Schools are closed, too. I mean, it'd <laughs> so... be like
2: asking someone in, a, in an extremely specialized field Yeah. to just go get a job, you know. And you can't say retail because retail for the – I mean, retail is hiring now, but retail for a long time was shut down, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a – there weren't really a ton of places to go, um, so yeah, stuff like this is important. Yeah.
0: Um, another thing I read that uh, Guns and Roses is going back out on tour. They they rescheduled their tour. Yawn. Yeah. Let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not wrong when you say when you yawn,
2: you're you're really not. I mean, like, is it the original lineup or? It's, it's axel in them so there's no who is them? I don't know <laughs> so there's no slash <laughs> essentially or, or is he back like I I haven't I, I didn't even
0: look at I just saw the headline I didn't even look at the article
2: let's see here so right now so Karen, right, right now is it's,
0: it's axel in them
2: okay no he's in there so current is axel Duff McKay. Oh, it's the original lineup essentially Duff slash I don't think Dizzy Reed... Well, I think that's just a touring person. Um, I don't see Dizzy. Oh,
0: Wolfgang Van Halen's... um, His band... Well, it's... uh, His his band is called Mammoth, Mm -hmm. WVH, which the Van Halen was originally called Mammoth.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, how does Mastodon feel about this? But I guess (laughs) if they've got more precedence... Yeah, that's funny.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, they're going back on on tour. They're going to be.
2: Yeah, whatever with that.
0: Uh, So (laughs) uh, another thing we wanted to get into before we get to Ben's airworm of the week, I wanted to play this little clip. And uh, hopefully I don't get an ad because I'm playing this right
2: from YouTube. That's the weird position that record companies had for a long time that they don't seem to have anymore.
4: Mm, I would I would argue against that because they still do. Well, they've moved to a different set of circumstances, and I'm not as conversant as as I once was. But one thing they do with certain younger artists, I think particularly more in the pop realm, is they do these 360 deals, where it's like, if you get a perfume deal, if you like your whole world, they own you. We own a piece of your whole world. And fame is such a great quotient in American life now that you can see where kids would trade fame and, give, and be willing to give away like, the, the, the profit part.
2: Well, they'll take a risk at the long-term ownership.
4: Right, so let me jump in there. So if you actually survive the cut, let's, say, let's call it phase one. You're successful, you're a name, and now you're in a place to either renegotiate or your deal is up or whatever. I once had a conversation with a very powerful music executive and I said, and I was friends with the guy, so I was like, give me the insider psychology here. Now that I know the game that you run, what do you tell people like me when they get here? And he says, oh, it's just, there's always a price. So they know that even if you get through the matrix of the whole thing and get out the other side, that there's just a dollar amount that will buy you back in. Whoa. They're not worried that you'll go independent. And in fact, if you look at a lot of the machinations of the music business over the last twenty years, especially with the rise of the internet, it's to keep people in the system. Yes. they don't want true independence. Right, but it look, seems no, like... look. Look, I'll give you look. No further than the deals that the record labels cut with the streaming services. They got into ownership equity deals with the streaming services, in an in an in an arrangement for them to have an equity position. They agreed to very low rates for the artist's music. Oh, so, that's so when why, you when uh, you listen to Bob Dylan's song on Spotify, Bob Dylan's not getting a lot of money for that. But as Spotify and the other streaming services raise up in their equity position, the labels benefit. So the labels pimped out their own artist to take a greater equity position in a rising business. It's like, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they weaken the artist's position to take a better position at the table themselves.
0: That is... F- so... Um that was a good point to stop there. Yeah. So that was <laughs> uh Smashing Pumpkins front man Billy Corgan. He was on the Joe Rogan Experience, uh that podcast. And uh this was from three years ago. Yeah. But um a YouTube channel uh kind of brought up this clip on his channel. Um so Ben uh <clears throat> You uh, you had seen this video before. Yeah. So what, what thoughts uh, came about with seeing this?
2: Yeah, so it, <laughs> it kind of made me think this is why independent artists don't trust record labels. Um, but then it also kind of goes to explain what the modern day artist looks for versus what maybe artists in the past looked for. So back in the 70s, 80s and, you know, into the 90s and somewhat into the early 2000s, you could get famous and rich in the music industry. You can still get famous and rich, but it's easier to just get famous and live off of perks. A lot of artists don't have as much money as you think they do. Yeah. They just don't cuz it's just it's hard to make money off of sales. And if you are just touring, but you know, you're not big enough to draw big crowds. You might make a good amount of money, but not as much as you were making in in, you know, days of the days of old, so to speak. And he talks about, you know, trading fame for profit and how record industries this is why I always say, you'll always hear me say, House always wins. They've been doing this for far too long to lose to an artist. Especially an artist who's not business minded. (laughs) They've been doing this far too long to lose. And so he talks about the 360 deal, where they, they put their hand in every single thing. Um, you know. Essentially, that was their plan for dealing with, well, we're not selling records anymore. But the artists are getting rich off of endorsements. Oh, we'll just take, we'll put our hand in we'll there. We'll just get in there. Yeah, we'll put our hand in there, <laughs> and, in that cookie jar. Um, and then, so to hear, so Billy Corgan, of course, of the Smashing Pumpkins, one of the biggest bands of the 90s. At one point, I'm not, not going to say the biggest band in the world, but probably one of the biggest bands in the in the United States, easily, at one point. To hear him talk about that, to hear him say, all right, I know your game. What are you going to do? Oh, we've, we've got a price to, to bring you back in because of the fame. And it makes me think of that line from Lost One by Jay-Z, where he's like, fame is the strongest drug known to man, is stronger than heroin. Like, he talks about that. Like, he wanted to retire, but there was all this fame. Like, it was like... Yeah, wanted to. I think someone. He's still
0: famous. Yeah, and he was still like, he's running a record label Mm -hmm. at the time, so he's still. I mean, he's he's making money there. He has influence there. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like he retired on top, or at the top of his game when Mm -hmm. that happened.
2: Yeah,
0: and but then he comes Mm -hmm. back. I mean. I think he's tried to spin it like how when Jordan came back, it's like, oh, it's for the love of the game.
2: (laughs) Or is it for the game? This isn't a game game that it doesn't
0: seem like a lot of people like love in that way. Yeah. I mean, I understand his angle, but I think like he had to go with that angle just to, just so you don't think about, you know, what, what Billy Corgan said, so it doesn't come off as the record company is bringing you back in. Yeah.
2: And I, th- I think it's such an interesting perspective from him. Um, and I've always read that, you know, he's a really, that Billy Corgan's a really down-to-earth guy. And he probably just did not like the music industry. I get the impression that he was like a lot of artists are. They just want to make music. But there's all this other crap you have to deal with. You know, one of, one of the phrases we always use is, we don't hear a single. We don't hear a single. <clears> because that is what, you know, the label that pays you will come to you and say, because they want a single. They need something that can sell the album. So I imagine they're like, Oh, we don't hear another nineteen seventy nine on this record. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to write another nineteen seventy nine. I don't want to write another tonight, tonight, or you know what their their big songs were. And they're like, Well, that's what we want. You're you're on the contract. You gotta, you know, you have some creative control, but not all the creative control. <laughs> So
0: and it's it yeah. was, it's <laughs> interesting. Like you you hear that, and uh, one thing we I know we can always reference is with Eminem. Yeah, where we, they wanted on for the Marshall Mathers LP, they wanted another My Name Is. Yeah, and so he made the way I am. Is like we still want another My Name <laughs> Is. <laughs> so that you get the real Slim Shady. <laughs> that would
2: be. I'm trying to think if there's enough songs like that, but like a countdown of songs where they were made to spite the labels. So like, um, I Am The Way I Say I Am, Love Song by Sarah Bareilles, Harder To Breathe <laughs> by Maroon 5. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's more of them out there. Um, this also reminds me of Warrant and Cherry Pie. Mm. And how there's an interview with their singer how he was like, you know, we went in, we had the album done, and it had a completely different title. He's like, and, and the label comes in and says, hey, once again, we don't hear a single. We want to hear a single. So they go and they write Cherry Pie. They give it to the label. They love it. He says, after that, that's the lead single. The name of the album is yeah, changed. Cherry pie. It's, that was Cherry Pie. And he's just like, it's can... Cherry Pie everything. And he's like, God, <laughs> I hate Cherry
0: Pie. <laughs> you could lump them in with all of the hair metal bands of the time. Yeah. To where like they had that, that kind of song that was the single. And it was always the same order like okay we got the the song that all the all the all the girls like that will they da- they'll dance to yeah. this uh and then it a lot of times I think it'll be the second single is the
2: ballad. Yeah. The softer side of this, the band. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to get them even more girls. Yeah. So
2: no I call the first ones the the strip club anthems. That was the rock. Those <laughs> yes. were the rock like if you go into the right type of strip club you'll hear Cherry Pie. You'll hear pour it, some that, sugar. That, no, correct
0: correct that. The right, the right kind of strip club. <laughs> the right kind.
2: If you go in of the white persuasion. The the, the white kind of strip club. The white <laughs> the persuasion. White kind of you'll hear club. cherry pie. Pour some sugar yeah, on oh me. Oh my god. If you want to bring it more modern, you'll hear Burn It to the Ground by Nickelback. You'll hear all those so- Porn Star Dancing by Dark New Day. <laughs> um Yeah. Girls, that's, girls, girls, girls. Girls, girls, <laughs> girls. Which is which is if we're just being real. That was the strip club anthem of the 80s. They started naming strip clubs in that, like, that is a song that, like, D4L would have released (laughs) in the early 2000s is Girls, Girls, Girls. And I don't think we talk about that enough. That is a
0: missed opportunity. That is a missed opportunity. A snap version of Girls, Girls, Girls or any of those hair metal anthems.
2: Yeah, I think they A shout out- A snap remix of that. I believe they shout out Tattletales in Atlanta in that song. <laughs> <laughs> like He's just like, he's naming, like, during the chorus, he's like, those girls at Tattletales, girls, girls. Like, it's just, uh, <laughs> and, like, they're probably at these strip, like, every city. Like, after yeah. you get done with the show, let's hit up Tattletales, bruh. Let's hit up whatever strip club there is. It's, it's I mean, essentially, you know, not to bring up Finn McKinty again, but, like, how rappers have become the rock stars now, that's what. That's where they got that life from. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear the stories, and this could be a full episode, the stories about how, like, um, the, the roadies for Van Halen, they would have the backstage passes, and David Lee Roth would point out a girl in the crowd, <laughs> and he said they would take backstage passes on fishing lures and throw them out to the girl. <laughs> like, you point out the girl, he gets a backstage pass to her, and he's pointing out girls. I'm just like, this was holy crap (laughs) but yeah you'll hear those songs ain't talking about love you'll hear that in that strip club these strip club anthems that's what that's i guess that's what they wanted the strip club anthems yeah
0: like that that's what that's what was selling that's what gets played on the radio for uh, and and people will ignore the context (laughs) of
2: those songs (laughs) 17 people she's only 17 yeah <laughs> what were you thinking, here? What were you thinking? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a modern day, but I can't think of a modern day equivalent to that song. I can't. Oh,
0: like people, I think more people, uh, woke, supremacists are, <laughs> <laughs> woke supremacists, are paying more attention. Yeah, they are. So if 17. you hear anything that sounds like it's about somebody young, yeah.
2: But then you had the people come out. Well, the age of consent is 16, so really, he's a Yeah, that depends of, on the state. He's a year above.
0: <laughs> Those that, like, defending way too hard. <laughs> now, we might need to look into your background. <laughs> Check his search history. Check. <laughs> Who you follow on Instagram. Are you on TikTok, sir?
2: <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, as we were saying, like, you know, your record label wants to hear a single. And... You know, sometimes you got to give in. It's great that you can, if you can put a song on there that's a big fu to the label too, while still giving them a single. Yeah, and then making the song that's a big fu to the label also a single, <laughs> a la Eminem. Yeah, the way who, I am was a single. <laughs> who can really just do at that point? I mean, would you say he could do whatever he wanted? Like
0: he really could, as I long mean, as he also did what the label wanted.
2: Though I mean, he had a song called White America, where he was <laughs> essentially making fun of like Middle America. <laughs> for liking him (laughs) it was just yeah no he was eminem was weird man eminem was but he was yeah supreme talent though (laughs)
0: um so yeah that will uh (laughs) yeah it's it's uh it's interesting that the uh that this is how it works like you know you could look at the it's that's why there are only three of the of the big. There's the big three yeah. labels, and we have an episode about that. That there's only three of them because, like, you can't if you start a record label now, you can only get so far.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, before you get bought out or you just Seems fall to off,
2: exist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, it was great for that that boom in the nineties. You know, along with the dot com boom, there was the independent black record label boom. Mm-hmm. Rockefeller, Bad Boy, No Limit, Cash Money, So So Def, yeah, uh, LaFace.
2: Mm, I forgot about uh
0: Rough Riders, Murder Inc. Yeah, Death Row. Uh, Rap a lot. Mm-hmm. Where are those labels now?
2: It's funny too because I think. If anything, they helped They helped kind of create the blueprint because after that, you started seeing other genres, mostly artists, getting their own imprints, you know, where they would yeah. be distributed by someone big. But people like Master P, which a lot of people make fun of, no, you know, like, but like Master P kind of created that template with No Limit. And you know,
0: the weird thing is with Master P now, he's kind of still doing that mm-hmm. because- you know, you, you're about to be like, well, there's this league of, around the corner from where we're recording. <laughs> they're going to have their own facility, you know, for high school players to basically make money prof- as a professional mm. before going into the NBA, the overtime elite. Okay. They're going to be based here in Atlanta. And there's the uh, the the G League Ignite team. So these – but these players, like, they're going into these programs to be professionals even though they're, you know, 16, 17 years Mm -hmm. old, but they can also make money off of their name, image and likeness. So they can get endorsement deals. Mm. They can't play college basketball. They can't go back to their high school, (laughs) (laughs) but the goal is, you know, if they don't go to the NBA or, or pursue a professional career, they will still get money to go to college.
2: Oh, nice. Okay. Uh,
0: But the goal is to get to the NBA or some other professional league, Mm -hmm. but they can make it, they can get endorsements also, okay. Um, and with Master P, his he has a son. I think he's about to be a senior in high school. Next next year, he'll be a senior in high school. He already has a deal lined up for him that's worth two million dollars. Wow! Is he better than Little Romeo? Clearly, <laughs> because he if he if he's got a two million dollar deal, that means he's also being recruited mm-hmm. to play somewhere. If he doesn't go to the G League or this overtime elite league. I was going to say no one's uh,
2: using him to get DeMar DeRozan. No one's using him to get somebody else. Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if he's, if he's that, that good, he has this deal lined up for him. It's just a matter of, you know, maybe his son will go to college and that NL, NIL thing will go through and then he could make, he can get money off of that deal, whatever it is. But he has something lined up for him already. And, and Masterpiece also like with all the all the other businesses he has, he has the his own like his own version of ramen noodles <laughs> that you see in the gas station, uh, or oh. he's got clothing. But I think a lot of his stuff now is with is with food. But you know he's doing his own way still, and making and making good money oh, off of my it.
2: My goodness.
0: But like <laughs> the I don't know what's what the other guys are doing, but. I think people can appreciate Master P more for still doing it his own way.
2: Well, I know Diddy's still feasting off of artists who don't know what they're doing, so. And artists who are dead. Yeah. He's, uh yeah. Not to slander him or nothing like that, but. Okay, yeah. Slander is spoken.
0: Libel is written. So, yeah. You do your own research, If it's slander, whatever. Yeah. But y'all know what we talk about. Yeah. You don't make it an album three. On a five-album deal.
2: Yeah anyway Corgan to say about that <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man so that will do it for our music news segment um, so uh, okay I got a cutie here Ben tell us about your era of
2: the week um, this is one of my favorite albums ever um, it is by a gentleman named blue or blue or however you say it um, he went to Berkeley Great writer, great musician. Um, The album is called A Watched Pot. It was off of Spotify for some reason because they just do that. Who knows? Um, He's got a lot of great stuff, though. Um, I would suggest checking his album out. He did some work on the Spider-Man soundtrack um, in addition to some other work as well. He a really good cover of Baby Come Back. Hmm. There was like a, I don't know if it was like a Yacht Rock um, tribute album or something, but he did a cover of Baby Come Back, and it's really good, so... Um, I don't know how popular he is like overall, but I would definitely suggest if if you like good pop rock music, well produced, well sung and everything well played. I would check this guy out and you'll hear it on there. This is a very tight song. All right. So this is called Boy Meets Girl by Blue.
0: And we'll be right back.
4: Riding the groom and how they got to here It starts out with a boy and a girl Met in senior year She hung in with the outside crowd While he disappeared But the square and the rebel fit together Like the treble and the bass of
3: their It's like Twisted System
0: That is Boy Meets Girl by Blue. Blue. <laughs> Have everyone to pronounce it?
2: I will say, too, for anyone who bothers to listen to my LP when it comes out later, a lot of my guitar work is inspired by how he plays on this album, especially the lead work. Um, I just, yeah, just, yeah, it's just the tones are just, yeah, it's just beautiful. The snare drum, which if you've listened to this enough, you know I'm so particular, but my snare drums, it's a nice poppy snare. It's a nice pop, but it doesn't ring out. Sometimes I like it when it rings out like it did on the first Paramore album or even on St. Anger, infamously <laughs> on St. <Saint laughs> Anger. But on this one, like it's the right amount of like high pop, but they still muffle it so it doesn't have that ring so yeah, I I, I I I yeah, just everything about that song, I just love top to bottom.
0: All right, that's from his album "A Watched Pot," and you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. All right, so we started this episode with uh, the song "Rosa Parks" by Outcast, and uh, this is going to be part three of our. Georgia series in Georgia? which we discuss Georgia artists in some fashion. So uh we'll be discussing Outcast album Aquimini. Not Aquamini. Aquamini. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be discussing Aquimini. And of course I have some custom background
2: for the live stream. There you go. Uh so um So this is a yeah. <clears throat> an interesting group to talk about. Interesting album, but interesting group. I know we did, I forget how long ago. It feels like we've been doing this show for 100 years. That's how fun it is. Um, but I know we did our, our list of, um, was it was it Georgia artists or Atlanta artists? Atlanta one. artists. And, you know, I remember you said that this was probably the most important group to ever come out, come out of Atlanta. Yes. Um, and I, I somewhat agree. Because I know like, I, there's some other artists that come out of Georgia that are, I think are equally in, influential. Um, but I do think that in terms of for what Atlanta is in terms of its personality, and I know you'll hear people, especially now, right now with the playoffs going on, oh, yeah, Trey Young fits Atlanta's personality perfectly. I really think that this is, there's never been a group that embodies Atlanta more. Andre, you know, the east side even though I don't know if he's actually from the East side, but just like the the free spirit that is the East side and then Big Boy, the South side. Like it, it just represents perfectly. Um, and this was an album that, I don't know, like it was just, I think we both said like, well, not both, I know I said, the last album that they made that I felt that really felt like it was Atlanta. It still belonged to the city of Atlanta.
0: Um, well, let's... Uh Expand on that. Give some some backstory for people who some for some reason have never listened to uh, Aquamini at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: about to stop drinking my water, man. <laughs> uh,
0: this came out in 1998. Uh, this was their third album mm-hmm. after Southern Playlistic, Cadillac Music, and At Aliens. Both classics. Uh, this was, you know. I, the when when Andre said the South has something to say, that was after AT Aliens, right? That was before Equimini.
2: Yes, that was before Equim Uh
0: so at this point, you know, I think Outkast may have still been looked at as being as as far as nationally, more of an underground or how or Atlanta being looked at as more of a um not being taken seriously as a hub for rap music. You know, people still mainly looked at New York <clears throat> and LA. Um, you know, well and you may name some other some other artists from the South, but I don't think they were looked at they were only looked at regionally at best. Yeah. Yeah, there was the ghetto boys. Yeah, there was um uh two live crew, you know, in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. You know, Trick Daddy was was coming around at, at this time in the late nineties. Raheem the Dream. uh but more i think it was more of a more of a regional they were regional stars at best Mm -hmm. but i think with this album uh they were put they they uh put atlanta on the map here yeah
3: uh
0: but as you said it was the last time it felt like they were atlanta yeah um so uh, could you expound (laughs) on that yeah. A little bit, as far as <laughs> why is this the this was the end of the of
2: that kind of that that part of their history. Yeah. So to pick up from, from where you left off, so you name people like the Ghetto Boys, Trick Daddy. I guess you could even say Uncle Luke to a degree. No, it's Two live Crew. Two live. Crew. Yeah, I always separate them for some reason <laughs> because of you know he went on to do a lot. Well, not a lot more by himself, but he, you know, he's became funny story. My brother in law, who's you know maybe a seven or eight years younger than me, I was playing um, the uh, uh, hydraulic song with Trick Daddy on it, and um, he was like, "Oh, this is Uncle Luke, like chilling in Miami with Uncle Luke from a Drake song." I was like, "Yeah, that 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 Uncle Luke, yeah," <laughs> and I felt old. But I think a lot what made a lot of those groups regional is the fact that they had very distinct sounds. Right. You know, 2 Live Crew Uncle Luke had the Miami bass sound. Um, to a degree, you know, I, the Atlanta sound, which really is, I felt, it's kind of diverse because, you know, So So Def came out, but as we stated before, they had the G-Funk sound. <laughs> they almost sounded West yeah. Coast. Hey, um, it, was
0: a li- it was part G-Funk and also part Miami bass. bass. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which is probably why they blew up and yeah. Chris Cross got big. But like this album, stylistically similar to AT Aliens, but took more chances, um, did more like it was more creative. It still sounded like Atlanta, but like it just mixed like things like funk, like soul. You know, marching bands are a big thing down here. You have a song that essentially sounds like it could have been a marching band. Um, which is probably why you heard so many marching bands playing it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And when you go to the next album, Stankonia, it's a hip-hop album, but it sounds, it just sounds bigger. It's more slickly produced. And that's not an insult to Organized Noise, because Organized Noise were very good producers um, who loved to use live instruments. But, like, it just, there was a little bit more synth. Like, I think of a song like the opening to Miss Jackson, a, a synth opening, I can't think of another, like, and when I say synth, I mean like a pop synth opening. Yeah. Almost like it could have been ripped straight from, um, from Jump by Van Halen, (laughs) the way it sounded. You know, you think of something like, like it just, it was like they had, they were ready for the radio at that point. And then, you know, with the Love Below and Speaker Speakerbox Love Below, they never looked back. And it's not meant to be derogatory. Like musicians, groups, artists, you change. You do, you know, you have a natural progression. As you've stated before, they said making music together was too easy. So why would you expect them to continue to make the same record, the same type of record over and over again? I don't think they were trying to have a departure from sounding like a southern rap group, but that was just a natural progression. And I think you really start to hear it in, in, in Andre 3000, who was, I think, still just going by Andre Benjamin back then. Um you really start to kind of hear it in his in what he starts rapping about. Like to get your thoughts on it. I feel like he really started to surpass Big Boy. But Well, as I
0: as I said before, as far as that goes, um I think that I don't know if he was surpassing Big Boy because I, I for in in some regard I think there's like a dismissal of Big Boy for no mm-hmm. real reason. But I think part of it is that Andre started to do more, he was more flamboyant and outlandish with his appearance. Mm-hmm. So more attention may be paid to him. Like, okay, can he actually rap? I'm going to pay special attention to this guy he because why off. is he doing all of this? <laughs> yeah. So I think he got more attention. Uh, but I think with, with big boy, he, I don't want to say hold his own cause that's not strong enough.
2: Well, I think he does term. more than hold his own,
0: but I, I think he like, he's part of this album too, y'all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, I don't want to be like that. You for, you forget about him, but I think some people forgot, a, some forgot or, or, or do forget how good he was on this album too.
2: Mm-hmm. I do think, to kind of go a little bit off, that I like him solo better. And I don't know if that's, like, a thing that you're not allowed to say in Atlanta. Um, But I think his solo records are, like, really, really good. And I think it's just because he doesn't have to try to contend. not saying that he ever felt like he had to compete with Andre. But I don't know. Like, I feel like he just has a little bit more room to breathe. So... Like, you know, the Risky Business in the A song, I thought was like really good. And he's so much better than T.I. And it's like he's <laughs> on there with T.I. And he's just, you know, T.I.'s not going to show a big boy. And it's not because, you know, they're both Atlanta legends, but I don't know if this is a word. Big boy's a, a legender. He's more legendary. <laughs> I don't know, but um. <laughs> legender. Yeah. Put that in Webster's. Um, but like when I listen to these albums, like, and. Going back and listening to it again, like I guess for me I just kinda started hearing how they're not rapping about the same things. Like they're rapping about the same things, but they're not rapping about the same things. And that doesn't make Andre better or Big Boy worse or anything like that, but it just makes them different. I guess is where I'm, yeah. I'm getting from. Well, I'm I
0: think that was that was kind of the point. Like they I think they knew they knew they were different people. Mm-hmm. But they could do big things together. Yeah. But as long as they embrace who the other person is, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of where the the name of the album comes in. These are their their zodiac signs. Mm-hmm. Um, big Boy is an Aquarius. Andre is a, is a Gemini. And uh, like I said, this was the follow up to At Aliens. Um, what uh i guess we started with rosa parks that was the that was the song that's a song everyone knows yeah. that was the first single off the album
2: how did you feel about that one when it came out do you remember
0: um it sounded different mm-hmm. than anything i had been hearing at the time mm-hmm. uh and like i said a lot of rap still at the time would it was everyone associated with la or new york mm-hmm. and you know, I thought at the time, you know, with these guys being from Atlanta, this is what Atlanta music is supposed to sound like.
2: <laughs> so, because you were still in Augusta, right? Are you in? in Oklahoma? Yeah, I was oh, still okay.
0: in Augusta. Oh, okay. I, I yeah, I I'd been left Oklahoma. Okay, so I I was in Augusta at the time, and uh, yeah, I I I love the song. <laughs> uh, and just try to feel like, well, why do they call it Rosa Parks? And then there's the back of the bus line, <laughs> <laughs> and uh I think it's one it's just one of like a subtle thing like that is like these guys are different.
2: Yeah. I always thought it was called aha hush that fuss. Cuz I never knew the name of the song. And I remember I was given this album. Um my dad was a retail manager for forever. His entire career. <laughs> and he uh, ran a store up here when we right before I moved up here like around 97 or so. And there's a guy, it was almost like a New York bodega he sold records like he had, like it's this really big, like five and dime type store that my dad ran. And then like right there um, on the side of it, like, and it faced the street, Broadway in Atlanta, across from underground Atlanta. He had a record shop. that was like just a little, you know, booth type thing. And he would get all these free CDs. And for some reason he would just give my dad boxes of CDs to give me (laughs) when he was done with them. Cause they just send them for free. And I was about to say Aquamini. Aquimini <laughs> was one of them. And I had, you know, I was somewhat familiar with Outcast, but this was my first real exposure to Outcast. Like putting that CD in and, and playing it and just being like, you know, because I'd heard, you know, Rosa Parks, but then starting to hear the other songs. Cause to me, before that, they were just um you know elevators and what's the other one like throw your hands in the air or... Uh, like just some AT aliens. AT aliens yeah duh. Matt would kill me for not knowing that <laughs> uh, <laughs> with this shout out with his AT aliens I um, remember
0: I remember <laughs> in middle school a lot of people I didn't know who, who it was like I really and I've said this before many times I didn't listen to a lot of rap until really till I got to college Oh for real? Yeah. Oh wow. So I remember in middle school everyone singing throw your hands in the air And like, I didn't know what song, I didn't know who did that song.
2: (laughs) I don't think I remember, (laughs) I don't think I knew their name, but I knew the song just because Fish and Grits and all that, you know? (laughs) That's a a great line, but I forget, I do forget that you did not listen to a ton of rap because I listened to a ton, but nothing from the South. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of West Coast music. I was obsessed with Ice Cube for some reason. (laughs) Um, But then when I got this record, I got this CD. I was just listening to it all the time, you know, and and we'll you know we'll get into the tracks later, but you know, so that's why this one means the most to me, because actually I owned it and it was, you know, in my disc man in the back of the car when I'm driving and <laughs> I want to hear my mom's music, I put this CD in and I listen to Outcast. Uh,
0: this this one I did not own this this album. I um uh, I had stenconia. And I think I told you where I got the Steakonia CD that, from. Um
2: I can't remember. Was it the contest? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I won it in a radio like contest. Something like Human Also. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I also what what else what else did I get from there? I think I got um Nickelback, the silver side up. Yep. And uh Limp Biscuits, um
2: Was it, is it chocolate Mim- starfish.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh yeah I wanted a radio contest. So that was my introduction more to Stankonia and we we've made this joke before that a lot of people thought Stankonia was Outcast's first album. <laughs> <laughs> uh but my introduction to them more was Stankonia. I I've been I was familiar with them on a and I but I really only heard the song um Rosa Parks and the artist storytelling which is apparently the, I apparently heard the remix with Slick Rick. Yeah. 'Cause that was the one they made a video for because I remember they were like puppets. And... Yep. <laughs> so um but some of my friends uh from the church I went to <laughs> you know, with them, <laughs> they had this C D and um and then I I I that's when I put together at the time that um oh the song that the marching bands are playing mm-hmm. all the time at the football games is this song. Oh and that's, yes. that's Spodiote, dope Dopalicious. Uh so yeah, I had every, every every high school football game I went to, whoever it was, one of the bands is gonna play that song.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um
0: so with the out al- the making of the album, um, like I said, this was after this was their third album. And they wanted to they they got a they got a bigger budget. -hmm. Probably thanks to Rico. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know how much of he blew on the drugs. Rico,
2: of course, being from Rico Love. Yeah, I mean Rico Wade. Excuse me.
4: Rico 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 Love
0: (laughs) is another musician. Um, so they uh, they got a bigger budget, and they they worked with, and I don't know. Maybe maybe it's cheaper and it's faster, but like I can't think of another. album another rap album i mean maybe you could say it with the miseducation of lauren hill i feel like it was there but there were a lot of samples there too so who knows how much But as far as like live instrumentation for Equimini. yeah you don't get that in hip-hop anymore unless you're talking about the roots yeah (laughs) and
2: you're right so it it just doesn't happen it is cheaper to not use it
0: i mean like it's it it, it's kind of like now you know they they use the 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 live musicians and everything, and it's kind of, it's that's so it's considered very strange now to do because I guess it'll be more expensive. Yeah. And two, like, do these guys who make beats using Fruity Loops or whatever software are they are y'all considering yourselves musicians just because you play play you know the the sixteen key MIDI keyboard? <laughs> To put in to put in your different melodies, does that mean you're a musician? Like I it, like it's it, that's just one thing I think about. Though, like they use live they like, they use live musicians, and mm-hmm. it's like that is just I guess it, it seems like it's impossible to do.
2: Well, uh, I think it even if it. you're
0: even if you're in a rock band, it sounds impossible to do.
2: I think a lot of it helped that they played a lot of stuff, you know. But then also they I think they knew a lot of musicians and were able to do it, you know, on the cheap, so to speak. But you hit the nail on the head. Like it's just more expensive to do it now. And I guess they, they knew like some of the
0: songwriters too. too. Well, I know like the guy who the guy who wrote Waterfalls and I think he also wrote Don't Let Go. Like he's a guy who's a manager at a hotel. Yeah, he was working <laughs> a hotel. Yeah. So had a hook. <laughs> <laughs> um So I I could see that that was part of it. If they just knew a lot of people who would come in and, and, but they had a bigger budget. So maybe they got some, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think they, they wanted to get a lot of different people. Uh, It says they brought in a baby grand Mm -hmm. piano and they hired musicians who played everything from stoner funk to prog rock.
2: Yeah. Well, that was so, I mean, and that's kind of the influence on their albums from organized noise that you had some guys who had really good ears. Um, and An appreciation for all types of music, and that really kind of, I think, kind of influenced their sound. And it's a sound that, for essentially, for like three albums, they never really got away from.
0: Yeah, um, you know, uh, it's the the process. I guess the process of making the album. I'm saying is something you just won't see much no. anymore. No. Nah. Um, so they would uh, a lot of the the songs came from jam sessions. Um, Andre 2000 was influenced by reggae music, uh, so you can kind of hear that influence yeah. with some of, it. especially the just I guess the the the, the production of it sounded like it was a little bit of reggae, some mm-hmm. dub. Uh, there, I you could hear the influence on some of the songs.
2: Yeah, there was so on the guitars, on on all basically on all the the tracks that feature guitar, you hear what's known as phaser, and phaser is. Like it's, how, I was gonna say it sounds like flange, but flange is a type of phase. <laughs> um, so essentially, it kind of makes the 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 guitar sound wide and then narrow and then wide. So like a what's a uh, what's an example? So really, the beginning of Spodio Felicious, the guitar on there. I'm trying to think of what else because there's a lot of guitar on this album, but that's the one that stands out in my mind probably because it's favorite track on that one but so you hear that guitar like it kind of gives it this kind of wavy feel yeah so that's a staple of funk and of and not ska uh funk and reggae you throw that on your your guitar and it makes it sound like if you sustain the note it'll sound wide to narrow to wide kind of like a wave because essentially when it's phasing it's going up and down Up and down And it's very popular In funk music And But it gives it that It almost kind of Sounds like a wah Because a wah Is a type of Like modulation Only you're controlling it Like a Wack-a-wack-a. You're controlling it And I just made a Weird noise But whatever <laughs> <laughs> A wah is almost Kind of like A controlled um, A controlled phaser You hear it a lot In um, So a type of guitar Playing in reggae And in ska It's called skanking where you kind of take the wah pedal put it halfway down and you kind of like that that's how you get that sound you're stopping the phase and just kind of you know scratching the the strings but you can really hear it in the guitar here that's that's phase and you and it's all over this album and it's really you know anything that organized noise produces that has guitar in it you can typically hear it hear phasing on the guitar
0: well yeah like you know you know sleepy brown is on this song And I think that with them, there's a lot of the first thing I think of like one when you see Sleepy Brown and what he looks like, but also the music that they produce. I just think of Isaac Hayes. Yeah,
2: yeah. like
0: classic Isaac Hayes to the sunglasses Uh, and everything. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they were also influenced by uh, that. Well, they said how they how they brought in musicians back and forth. Uh, it was kind of like Motown, I would guess, with the Funk Brothers mm-hmm. or with Stax Records, um, uh, the different musicians they have. So, and you kind of get that. There's there's a there is a '70s vibe uh, with with the entire album. There's a bit of a '70s vibe, especially with this song and with Aquemini. Uh, you you, you kind of get that.
2: So yeah. Yeah, I love—so I love how this song essentially was just like a spoken word. Like, there's no—they're yeah. not rapping. They're just— This was after Love, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: might have made the soundtrack was before. <laughs>
2: they're just telling a story, you know? And I just—I love—because I guess I'm just biased. I like Andre's better. Big Boys is a good—it's a good story, too. It's I guess it's a little more real. <laughs> like, he talks about getting a girl pregnant and getting fired from your job. Like, it. Which is really weird because you would expect Andre to be the more socially conscious one, but like Big Boy really broke it down. It's like and, then you, and you in the trap and you trap. It's like because mm. you got cloudy. I was like okay, cloudy piss. That line to this day sticks with me. Any time like I have to do a like a, a test or anything like that, I'm like, am I gonna get sent home because I got cloudy? <laughs> But that's just what these, you know, that's the influence of music, man. This this song is just And yes, I did know back in the day I played trumpet in high school. Yes, the whole the whole um well all the black members of the brass section, we knew how to play this song. Yes.
0: You could see what kind of what kind of marching band it is depending on how the uh how how they tried to play this. I think a lot of schools and I'm from Augusta. A lot of schools from Augusta at least attempted to play this, <laughs> and I can't say who actually pulled it off. I know my school did it. Um, I probably ask Aisha. She was she was in she was in band, uh, so she might know if 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 they really pulled it off.
2: I will say so. The I don't know if they're really world famous, but Southwest Cab, which is a very popular uh, marching band in the Atlanta area, I saw them play this, I believe, and they pulled it off very well. Um, and I know when I was in high school in Jack and Jill of America, yeah, I was, I was that type of black person. We went to the FAMU-Tennessee State game every year, and I, I'm fairly certain this got played as well. Um, and they pulled it off well, too, because, you know, typically at HBCUs, you've, you've got very entertaining bands. Not always the best musicians, but they're very entertaining. Southwest DiCap has some pretty good musicians, also very entertaining. Um, I went to Centennial, which was... Um, yeah, we've said it once on this on this podcast. It was a, of the White Persuasion High School. I don't think it's like that anymore. I think it's pretty integrated now, but we didn't play stuff like this. But when bands that did play stuff like this came, everybody like people showed up to the game. I remember walking like before I was in marching band, walking into the football game, Southwest Cab is lining up to come in, and there's this white parent and this little, you know, white girl, she's probably like 10 or 11, and she's like mother's like, that's the band we came to see. <laughs> and that's what I was like, see, they want bands like that. That's what we should be doing. But then I wouldn't have been in marching band because I can't dance. I just can't do it. I grew up watching Carver High School, shut out, down in Columbus, Georgia. My sister was drum major. And I thought every marching band was like that because that's all I ever seen. And I was like, I can't put down my trumpet and start, you know, <laughs> I just can't do it.
0: Try. <laughs> they try to make the steps simple.
2: Still, I got still no three left feet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but to hear a marching band pull this off is just is just awesome. Um, and this yeah, this is my by and large my favorite song on this album, just because it's got like you said that funk vibe to it, the really nice horn section. Every like this is a well recorded song as well. Of course, in that you know that last verse they throw some um, echo on the drums to make the snare drum kind of slap that slap back reverb it sounds great everything about this song is just great
0: yeah there's a and there's a you know like i said there's the the 70s vibe with it it's they add like kind of like the psychedelic uh Mm -hmm. uh angle some dub Mm -hmm. from you know from reggae like it's they combine a lot of influences and you know i i when you do that, if you do it right, then,
2: you know. Yeah, it can be, be a train wreck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> if you do it wrong, yeah.
2: It I'm try, now terrible. I'm trying to think, like, who's train wrecked it? I'll think of it before the end of the episode, but this was <laughs> this was done well.
0: Yeah. Um. Another song that, well, we, we looked at, considered uh, starting the show with it, uh, but we couldn't think of a stupid line <laughs> to start the show, as we always do. But why does uh, the song West Savannah stick out to you?
2: Uh, so funny enough Big Boy's verse which is he has the first verse if I remember correctly and it's another I like story songs and he tells a story about you know coming from West Savannah going up in the projects it's just a nice little it's one of those songs that kind of you know I've been to Savannah before but I'm pretty sure these are parts of Savannah I've never been to <laughs> These these are away from River Street <laughs> but it's pretty vivid and it, it just kind of took me there I like that about that song
0: yeah, I'm, I'm not too familiar with the song, um, but I know it's, I, when I, I saw the title, like, okay, this is probably more of Big Boy song, because that's where he was born, yeah. at least. So, um, I mean, it's, Savannah isn't referenced much in hip-hop. As far as when it comes to Georgia, it's Atlanta. Yeah.
2: Uh, Every that's the day end of the list. Augusta. I've heard Drake rap about Augusta, even though he's not from there. But... Who? Drake. He had he had a line in one of um, in a remix to the uh, song he sang the hook on for um, Rick Ross. Slicker than a pimp from Augusta.
0: Okay, Drake.
2: So, yeah, for that song he was, he was from Augusta.
0: <laughs> for that so-
2: <laughs> Yeah, he says that slicker than a pimp from Augusta.
0: Well, and I as to I said run, before, Drake has no—he has no real identity.
2: I had the one was like, has he, he ever been to Augusta? Did
0: he ain't <laughs> do no shows at James Brown Arena. Oh. I'm sure of
2: it. <laughs> but yeah, I like I like his descriptions, and it's just—it makes me feel like, because the beat's a nice beat too. It's one of those beats that—it's a good riding beat, good driving beat, and it just makes you feel like you're riding through a, you're riding through Savannah, as he talks about where he's from, I, and I dig that.
1: Right.
2: Um So uh,
0: a little more about this particular album. Uh, I don't know if you would consider this the beginning of the end, because after this, they made well, technically, they made three more albums together. Uh Stankonia, Speak of Rock's Love Below and the Idlewild soundtrack. Uh, but there was a heated discussion it was probably just you know, like a spirited discussion back and forth about the album order. And, um, Andre did most of the production. Big mm-hmm. boy wrote the hooks for most of the songs. Um, and, uh, there was almost Andre almost did some singing, I guess. a like, like, like he would later do on Stink on the very next album, the yeah. Ne- yeah. Uh, Big Boy was uh, worried that it would alienate their urban audience. Um, what what do you what do you think of that? That do you think not that if you think that would happen, but as far as if rappers did any tried to do any singing, like real singing, <clears throat> that it was such a risk, and we're in an era now where. It's so it's common.
2: Yeah. So that's actually kind of what I was going to say. Like nowadays, it's common. Back then, I think it was more seen as a gimmick. You just didn't have a lot of rappers that sung. And if you did, you didn't sing well. And it was, so I think of like, you know, the first song that comes to mind, the Biz <laughs> <laughs> And no one took that song serious. To this day, I have no clue whether the Biz Marquee is a good rapper or not. Because like that's his claim to fame. I think he's a
0: good rap he's considered a good rapper, but he is um uh he's more he's a good rapper, but he's a better DJ. Mm,
2: good point. It's okay. more something like that. <clears throat> the other thing the other rapper that makes me think of, and I don't know if you can even really classify him as a rapper anymore, is Y Clef. You know, he yeah. rapped in the Fuji's. He sung on their cover of No Woman, No Cry on the score. And then after that, like. It's like, like after that, he. he, he did he think line. he was Bob Marley? I think he thought he was. Um, I think he thought he was Bob Dylan Marley. <laughs> like, he's writing, he's like doing reggae, but then he's doing like these folk songs, which, you know, Bob Marley had a share of folk songs, but like. I think when he did go gone to November and had Bob Dylan in the video, yeah. I think he was saying he was, like he, he thought was, yeah, okay. I'm Marley Dylan. Like that's what I am. <laughs> um and you couldn't stop him. Like he would just start singing whenever. 911. He just he thinks he's Mary J. Blige on that second chorus, man. Like it's <laughs> so I think to a degree he was right, but I think also where he kind of undersold. Big, uh, not big boy. I think where he undersold um, Andre Benjamin was not understanding how it could kind of catapult them. So you know, with this record, of course, um, the singles that came out weren't pop singles. You know, we talk about Stankonia, um, and 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 the crowd. We'll just say that that was really into this album. It was a hooky, you know. Big Boy did great on the hooks on the, quimini, on the I got to be careful and not say it wrong. He did good on the hooks on the quimini, but like, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson, who like that's <laughs> <laughs> like was it kind of gimmicky? Yeah, you know. But the whole song was kind of gimmicky, like you know. It was just, and and I and I and I don't want to say that Big Boy doesn't know what he's talking about because I mean, like, did that song? alienate their urban fans. What say you, Greg? Do you think that's all?
0: <laughs> Miss Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> you, you're trying to get me to say it, aren't you?
2: <laughs> no, but I'm just you, saying. You're trying to get me to man, say I'm, it. But I'm just making a point here. Like
0: You're trying to get me to say what I think Stakeholder is. Big Boy was right. That's all I'm saying.
2: <laughs> he was right, but he was right in that it would alienate their urban audience. However, I think he was wrong in understanding, not understanding that that could be they key to having, to to being superstars essentially. To what to coming out with what is their biggest song, you know? Until they come out with Speaker Box and Love Below, and Andre basically makes a song called Hey I, which he I mean, how much does he rap on that album? <laughs> uh, on Love Below, yeah. Uh, like I'm trying to think of a song that he raps on. Uh... <laughs>
0: It had to be like one, like maybe one song. Mm-hmm. Let's um, let's see. Okay, that's. Um, Hey, I sings roses. He sings Behold a Lady. Behold a Lady. He raps on that. Okay. Um, the, uh, a a letter in a life in the day of Benjamin Andre the last track I think he raps on that
2: that's it not a lot (laughs) so (laughs) big boy was right (laughs) it would alienate their urban audience but where big boy was wrong was it would put them into a whole other stratosphere so it was you know it was and that's you know and to hear that is why I say it it kinda sounded like Andre Benjamin is pulling away in Sorry. terms of creativity.
0: I saw a tweet come up from from Woge and Damian Lillard just hit a, a three pointer to send the game to overtime. <laughs> a Woj bomb. again. Uh so he's at it. He's at it again. Um but So yeah. I yeah, I mean I I I understand what you're saying, like um and I think you're still trying to get me to say
2: it. No, I don't know if no, I should no, yet. No. no. <laughs> but I'm just saying like it, it really it that's when they got famous. That's yeah. when they got famous famous. And so like I and and I don't know if maybe Big Boy didn't want him to sing because he didn't want them to get famous famous or he wanted as um Frank Sinatra said he wanted to do it his way. You know, because even to this day, after Speaker Box and Love Below with his with his solo stuff, he doesn't really embrace pop or being popular. The closest thing I can think of. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, he doesn't. The
2: closest thing I can think of is he had a song with Adam Levine on one of his records. I think it was called Kill Bill. Kill Jill. Kill Jill. Yeah. I think I think what I can think of.
0: I think the the mo- the thing that they did was they kind of what Big Boy did I guess like uh, go a different route as far as who he wanted to work with
3: mm-hmm.
0: like he worked did some with Adam Levine he worked with Fantagram on his first solo album yeah a lot with them um, but these were guys like, I think I know Andre did but from the 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 MTV little documentary they did on Outcast. Like this was around when Stankonia came out, mm-hmm. is that they both grew up uh, listening to Kate Bush. That's interesting. So their musical tastes were, um, you know they they could draw inspiration from you know different genres, mm-hmm. not just hip hop. So yeah, uh, I think he expanded on that. But I but I can see where he's going as far as like okay if we start singing and people aren't into it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Then, you know, then something you like. It's it's not going to feel right. Yeah. So you risk
2: being labeled a gimmick. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. They also went back and forth about uh. Um, uh. Well, Andre three thousand was seen as uh pretty frugal, um and. <laughs> a lot of the money that he he would spend money on recording equipment. Uh, and he uh, tried to, and like I said, this, as far as like big boy saying this could alienate the group's audience. Like he big Andre was considering using <clears throat> it says pitch, pitch correction equipment. I'm thinking
2: auto tune. So. Or to, talk box. Possibly. So with pitch correction, cause there's a difference. So. Um, auto tune, exaggerated auto tune is what you hear that T Pain. That's T Pain. Yeah, T Pain, Kanye West to a degree. That's when you take auto tune and turn it all the way up, and it gives you because essentially it's trying to make your voice fit certain notes. So there's a certain way you have to sing with auto tune. You can't sing perfect with auto tune, or it's not going to pick up what you're trying to do. You have to miss certain notes. Um, pitch correction is literally just going in and correcting the pitch. Like it's just you know nowadays it's much easier you can do you can use like Melodyne, which is a really popular one where it converts and I'm not even gonna claim to be an expert on this I just learned about this um, not too long ago. You it will convert your voice into a MIDI signal. You can just go in and move the notes wherever you want. Hmm. Like that's now I don't think it was that. I think like it's on the Instagram
0: story <laughs> about that.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, there was some guy did talk about it actually not too long ago because he was like, How do these Disney stars not be able to sing and then they can all of a sudden sing? And he talks about <laughs> he talks about melodyne. Um now I don't think it was that advanced back then, but you did have pitch correction to where you could, you know, if someone didn't sound good, there were ways to make them sound better.
0: Um so yeah, <laughs> big boy warned about that. They also talked about um Andre wanted the first track to be return of the g Mm -hmm. Um, which is a good
2: song i like that song too
0: which uh it it is as far as the first song hold on be strong is more of an interlude (laughs) um and big boy wanted it to be y'all scared which is closer to the end yeah
2: (laughs) didn't really care for that one did you did you like that track y'all scared
0: I'm not even that familiar with it. Yeah, really. really like it. Um, I did like Return of the G though. Those but the, the what they what Andre's angle was is we want the first song to be just us two, mm-hmm. and while y'all scared has Timo, Big Gip, and Cujo Goody on it. Mm-hmm. So let's not have the posse cut basically <laughs> <laughs> as the first song. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Big Boy finally came around to that, and. The song "West Savannah" was actually recorded for the Southern Playlistic during during those sessions.
2: That makes so much sense the way it sounds because it sounds it sounds older. It reminds me a little bit of "Um In Due Time," mm-hmm. the song that they did with um with CeeLo. yeah, with CeeLo. So that makes a lot of sense how because I it's the, it's one of the songs that it doesn't quite fit just because it sounds even the production sounds a little bit older than the other songs. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> uh, so
0: lyrically, um, Big Boy says they're being very experimental, uh, using live instruments, horns, guitar, piano, harmonica, which you hear on on Rosa Parks. The, mm-hmm. the, is that the first and last rap song to have a harmonica solo?
2: Bring back the. We should get someone else to do one. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded good. It sounded it fit like it had a it had a country vibe to it a little bit with the acoustic guitar in there. Um, I wish they would have used a real bass other than just an eight hundred eight bass, but I mean, production choice. You know, who am I to say? But yeah. Um, and some people say they.
0: I don't know. Maybe I I wasn't getting more the the science fiction vibe. That was I feel like that was more with ATL. Yeah, I didn't get to say that. Than yeah. Aquim and I. Um, but I think there was more of a. It was spacey as far as like, um, more like soulful and spiritual mm-hmm. rather than sci-fi. <clears throat> it wasn't like so much like like a Star Trek, Star Wars kind of thing.
2: Yeah, no, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get that spacey feeling. I mostly got funk, um, a little bit of a little bit of reggae. I know if you mentioned Stoner Funk, like that electronic. You know types, yeah. I didn't, but space, yeah, that's weird. Space, I didn't get that. What are your thoughts on? Um, I guess to bring up another track here, uh, my second favorite track on the song on the album, "The Art of Storytelling Part One." Okay, so I don't even know if the verses are the same. I, <laughs> I
0: hold on. <clears throat> okay so I remember that verse but yeah. that the remi- I guess the remix just added slick
2: Rick yeah so from what I was from what I read because I didn't realize that he wasn't on there the single version that they released had slick Rick on it okay. um you know because he had the song the art of storytelling and um, this is actually something that they keep up they've so they got part one and two on here yeah there's three four I think it, I think it's up to like seven right now they keep doing them <laughs>
0: Oh it, I guess it's on other albums Let me see if
2: So there's one on I know there's one on a DJ drama album Because that's the one that has the, the line on there They got Matt here Brett Favre in it Trying to prove that I still got it
0: <laughs> um, let's, let's see how, what we got here um, Okay I think these are just people taking the beat um, uh, So I guess throughout mixtapes Mm-hmm. There are other versions of it. Because I, I just see one and two on Spotify at least. I don't know where the
2: other ones are. Yeah, the artist storytelling, there's another one on is the DJ Cannon, or DJ Drama album. He has a mixtape that's on Spotify. Wait, DJ
0: Drama or Don Cannon?
2: I can't remember. It's, it's one of the two. Because um, that Brett Favonite um, line had me dying. <laughs> So this is, yeah, this is one of my favorite verses by him, by Andre, just because he's just, he's just awesome. Um, yeah, I'll find that, I'll find, yeah. that, uh, I'll find okay. that, but yeah, this is, yeah, this is... Um, no, here like that's a
1: man I could have died I could have cried man yeah. such a sad
0: Mm-mm-mm. so yeah this song uh this is one of those songs where Andre's verse does stick out um It does it yeah, it does it does stick out to me, but I remember the video there being a lot of puppets and it's a trippy it's a trippy video a little
2: bit. Yeah. Um so it's the art of storytelling part four, and it is on um it is on DJ Drama's album Gangster. Where's part three? I don't know. I'm sure there's a part three somewhere. Um No, there's no part three. There's gotta be part three somewhere they just skipped they said screw that <laughs>
0: <laughs> um okay so another a song that another song that i like well um is the title track
2: aquamini stop stop, stop. aquamini <laughs>
0: um now i was going to tell you like where like why this song sticks out to me Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody remembers this this movie. It's not talked about very much because of the timing of it and every when it came out and everything. There's a movie called o Oh, Mekhi with Mackay Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer yeah. Julia Stiles, and it's basically like an updated version of Othello. The reason why this song, like it's weird for me to hear this song sometimes is because when this song was played in the movie. So, Odin, and Des, I think she's Desiree I don't think she's Desdemona in the movie mm-hmm. but um, they're, they're dating and everything like they're in high school they go to like a boarding school or a private school
2: and he plays basketball, he plays basketball. right? he plays basketball
0: okay. he's a star player and everything and so they are able to get away for the weekend and go to this hotel and everything but at this time it's kind of been put in his head that is she is des cheating on him Uh, i can't remember the character's name i think it was michael in the in the movie like is she cheating on him because he's like good friends with her and all that i don't know if they flirt or anything but it's been put in, in odin's head that she's cheating on him and so in the scene where they're having sex and he looks up in the mirror and he sees that dude's face. He sees Michael's face. Oh God. <laughs> and, That's kinda trippy. Yeah. And then he like he he uh he gets rougher <laughs> as they're having sex in what? this scene while this song is
1: playing.
2: I might go check this movie out. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's one that I've been meaning to watch for a while. Because I know like that was around the time where they were just taking Shakespeare. Plays and making them movies. Yeah. Taming of the Shrew and 10 Things I Hate About You.
0: And Just put Julia Styles in it. She was in yeah, both and, of them.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, she was, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I guess the thing, like, and the reason why the movie wasn't as successful as it could have been is because I think it was, uh, when it came out, it was going to come out, like, right after the Columbine shooting. Um, so then they had to push it. And people still made that that connection. uh that connection
2: mm-hmm. so uh yeah because this was around the time Romeo and juliet came out too right the, um...
0: that was a couple of years before
2: okay yeah but there was that run where like shakespeare yeah was just like mm, make, make shakespeare for the teenagers yeah essentially <laughs> they'll get it it's kids they'll, they'll get it
0: <laughs> so yeah that that's well that's what that song makes me think of
2: tell you Kendrick Lamar
1: stole yeah and
0: Kendrick Lamar <laughs> was to this. used this production technique <laughs>
2: oh god essentially just pitch shift the voice double the vocals and pitch shift yeah I like and I like I do like the guitar in that song using the um like the fast tremolo I, I don't want to try to explain what tremolo is it's just a type of another type of modulation that just sounds really pretty
0: um, and also, the, the some of the features, I mean, okay, with Y'all Scared, you got uh, some Goody Mob guys. Uh, Liberation is with CeeLo. Um, but I think the you don't get a lot of, you weren't getting a lot of uh, cross-regional mm-hmm. features. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the remix of The Art of Storytelling has Slick Rick. Skewed on the Barbie has Raekwon.
2: Which is like, <laughs> that was the most out-of-place <laughs>
0: <laughs> a synthesizer has George Clinton, and you thought only the West Coast guys would get a George, George Clinton. Clinton or a Roger Troutman, you know, someone in that vein, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so what do you think of, I mean, I know it's just a couple of features, but what do you think of them like, okay, we got a couple of New York rappers along with uh, guys that, you know, we know and we've worked with before?
2: I don't, I don't know what to think. Like, it's just... It, it, it was, I mean, because I like the beat to on the Barbie. I don't, I'm not going to lie. I don't really pay attention to a lot of what they're saying outside of the hook. I forget Raekwon's on the song. Me sometimes. too. But it's just like, like what made them want to work with Raekwon? Or what made Raekwon want to, did he want to work with them? Like,
0: I think part of it is, I think if you ask a lot of people, like who is the best rapper
2: out of line
0: for line out of Wu-Tang? I think a lot of people will say Raekwon. Really? They'll probably say Ghostface is like probably the most fun.
2: He's my favorite out of the, out of the bunch.
0: But Raekwon is like the best.
2: Next to Method Man. Um,
0: Method Man. Thinking about it, he, he he's a bit of an underachiever. But that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> so yes, a is. lot of you people, like, <laughs> back to Raekwon, a lot of people think, say would say that Raekwon is the best Rapper line for line and Ghostface is probably right up there, but he's at least the most fun.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's I'm, I'm very curious to know what made them want to work with him though because it was just,
1: yeah,
2: but yeah, just, yeah, for,
1: yeah,
2: there he is. <laughs> it, it does sound out of
0: place. Yeah, you're talking about the mafia? Do you know where you
2: are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just so different, but
0: I like. But I like. I like this song too. No, it's a good song. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: I think it's sampled. Um, what did it sample? The theme to the show. The t- There's a TV show in the '70s called Police Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they sampled.
1: That's a very, uh, very obscure. obscure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Um so as we uh come up on the two hour mark here. But yes, yes, I know we're having a good time. That's, that's <laughs> always my response. Yeah. <laughs> um let's look at uh
2: some of the accolades that um this album achieved. Yeah. Universal acclaim, essentially, in terms yeah. of um you know the critics you know five stars from all music um rolling stones four out of five stars so i think yeah. for there were also um
0: the 500 albums yeah
2: that you must hear before you die yeah there were i mean of the greatest 500 by rolling yeah. Stone, yeah
0: they were on there for the first edition of it but then they there was a new edition of it last year and they ranked it and they ranked it number 49 so Rolling Stone, because there's this a top fifty album of all time, mm-hmm. which is incredible to me because I think they hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> so right up there with pitchfork, man. Now, um, also, like like I said, a lot of people didn't come around nationally on Outcast until Stankonia. Mm-hmm. But Rosa Parks got them their first Grammy nomination mm-hmm. for Best Rap Performance by Doer or a Group. Another story, quick story. Uh, I one of the first CDs I bought with my own money when I was fifteen <laughs> was uh, a compilation album made by the Recording Academy of all the rap nominees from that year.
2: Oh wow! They had a separate CD just that, for that? just
0: for the rap, just for the rap categories. Oh wow! So best rap performance by duo or group. It had um, it had Outkast. Uh, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Jermaine Dupree and Jay-Z for Money Ain't a Thing. Great album. Uh Prize Maya and ODB, Ghetto Superstar. <laughs> and Beastie Boys won in the category for Intergalactic.
2: Really? Beastie Boys won that year?
0: They won that year. But the my two favorite tracks off of the al- off of that CD were Rosa Parks and Intergalactic.
2: I would say, because I, I do wonder, because I feel like now that would be a bigger deal. But Beastie Boys, I think they had more street cred, though. Um, at the time. Just in, in historically.
0: Well, yeah, but they had. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, like Beastie Boys at the time. I think they had kind of like come back around.
2: Um, they've they been nominated
0: before. Hmm?
2: They, I felt like they kind of reinvent, reinvented themselves. Yeah, because they from like they with the 80s
0: with they it was kind of like the 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 hard rock with the rap lyrics at mm-hmm. the time. Like Beastie Boy, it seemed like Beastie Boys and Run DMC uh, had the same kind of songs, but you could tell the difference from them vocally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I guess I think when they made like Paul's Boutique. They are more experimental with samples mm-hmm. and more intricate with, like, the pop culture references they make, mm-hmm. which were just out of nowhere yeah. a lot. <laughs> and then with, mm-hmm. uh, like, Check Your Head and um, the one that had Sabotage on it. I think that was, like, Ill Communication. Yeah. Sorry, I may have that out of order. But then they kind of brought the rock back around, and they're playing their own instruments. Mm-hmm. And But then when Hello Nasty then like, God, okay, let's get so back to the
2: albums. Let's get back to <laughs>
0: let's get back to rapping. And they kinda had their own, like in the eighties, kind of the style was it wasn't just one rapper or if it was multiple rappers, they would say lines together. Yeah. And Beastie Boys did that all the way through. Yeah. They rap that way all the time. <laughs> they would say some lines together. They, yeah, they would have their own verse here and there, but they would say lines together, as if it was, you know, they're doing a song together. Yeah. There's a chorus for it and all that. Um, God,
2: I forgot how many albums they had, though. They got, they got a lot.
0: They, <laughs> have, they have so, they, they have so working. many albums. <laughs> um, so, but they they won for that year. Now, I was looking at, they did not. Outcast was not nominated for best rap album. It was the only nomination they got was for Rosa Parks. So for that year, um, so for that year, uh, Jay Z won for Volume Two, Hard Knock Life. Okay. That was the one that had Hard Knock Life on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also nominated was the Love Movement Tribe Called Quest, which was their last album for like almost twenty years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't Q-Tip go solo after right after that one? Yeah, vibrant thing. Yeah. Uh,
0: Big Pun. <clears throat> Whoa. Capital a, Punishment. Okay, that's a throwback. Jermaine Dupri, Life, Life in 1472. I have that album. And Mace for Harlem World.
2: Matter of fact, that was one of the albums that he gave me. That guy gave me. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: would you put a Quimini, uh would you, from what you know, mm-hmm. from whatever you've listened to as far as these albums, would you put Aquimini over those? Over any of them?
2: Yes, but I'm a little biased. Um, I was a big Jay-Z fan at the time. Um and I really like Jermaine Dupri as well. Those albums. So it's hard to say better because they're all different. Like all three of those albums are like very different. Like with you know with Jay Z with um you know Jay Z just being like that's such a New York album. Um the from the samples that were used to just the way he rapped and like the whole style of the record. Um and then you've got Life in 1472 which was maybe the poppiest of them, not straight pop. Like, I mean, you had a song with, you know, Sweetheart with um, Uh, Mariah Mariah Carey, Carey. but then you also had, like, you know, the um, Get Dealt With with Mace and Lil' Kim. (laughs) And, like, Mace went kind of hard on that song, too. Um, But then you had, like, Money in a Thing with Jay-Z, who's, like, one of the biggest rappers at the time, and you've got a nice little hook to it, and, you know, and then you've got Equimini, which is, like, laid back. It's not trying to be any of those albums, so I want to say that it's better, but those albums are all so different that can you really say one it's because they all excel at doing what they they all excel at a high level at doing what they want to do. And I'm trying to think like I think, you know, Hard Knock Life Volume 2 probably is the one that has lasted the test of time, although I feel like this album has as well. Yeah. But like you don't hear a lot of people going back because like you said, like for a lot of people, life begins to stank on you. <laughs> so you don't have a lot of people going back and saying Aquimini man was really good and, and
0: that's the case also it's weird with like the awards because like they like said Rosa Parks that was their first Grammy nomination mm-hmm. and from the from Southern Playlistic through Aquimini there's not a lot of like awards like no. even nominations for them they were nominated for best R&B soul album Work Wim and I at the Soul Train Music Awards. Okay. How is that in the R and B Soul category? I mean, I understand it
2: because it's got it's got but, live instruments, Greg,
0: <laughs> but it's
2: got live bass. That's
0: that's interesting <laughs> that they were in that category. Um, but with Stankonia, that's when they started getting the, I guess, more of the attention, more of the accolades. But because uh, produ-
2: because the production got yeah. slicker. Like if you think about this, the the the, the slickest are the most, I guess, uh, mainstream-sounding produced song was Rosa Parks. As they went on, that's the sort of production that they leaned a little bit more into. Like, you think of, like, you know, So Fresh and So Clean. Like, you know, got that pop-type production. Like, I think when they started to lean into that, that's when the awards started coming, the mainstream started to notice Because everything else before that is just like kind of dirty. Not in a bad way, but you know, like, could you really see Spotty Doty, Spotty Odie, Dofalicious, or Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music, the song getting nominated for some (laughs) of the, (laughs) like.
0: Today, yes. Then, no change. Because it's like, yeah, because (laughs) It's not poppy enough. It sounds
2: vintage. Like, ooh, that sounds cool. (laughs) That's a live bass. Like, it's
0: (laughs) (laughs) not because of that. (laughs) Um, so looking at a couple of uh, reviews here also um, what is I guess oh man, I'm I, I hate some of these these quotes from some of these reviews. <laughs> um, Rolling Stone said that Atlanta's reputation as a hip hop as hip hop's most avant-garde area code, the Long Island of the 90s was cemented. With this album. The what? <laughs> I, what are you talking about? Ugh. Um uh, somebody wrote that Outcast command dispels any notion that hip hop is out of sonic ideas.
2: I think that's fair. Uh
0: if anything, it shows that the genre's appetite for new sounds is as ravenous as ever.
2: Depends on where you go, but now they're out of ideas. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, now we sound like old men, but no, yeah. I mean but I mean, maybe. I don't know. But, um, yeah, of all these reviews, I always, the the one, and I guess, like, I don't know how you look at this, but I always have that one publication that I go to because I know that they share my values. And for me, it's all music mm-hmm. because all music will evaluate an album on what it's attempting to do. They won't compare it to, they're not going to compare this to Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan because it's not trying to be Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan. It's trying to be Equimini by Outkast and they're going to compare it to other albums that are, are like that. Sometimes you'll get an overall view, and I think I discovered that when I first read their review for Millennium by the Backstreet Boys. They weren't comparing it to Appetite for Destruction because it's not trying to be Appetite for Destruction. They reviewed it based on its merits. So I'm not surprised that they would give it five stars because they're reviewing it based on, as a rap album, how does this compare? And I've always loved all music for that to this day they do that um
0: uh some other accolades that it got um i feel like a lot of this is all like after the fact because you know it 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 didn't have it wasn't the success at its time uh at least compared to stankonia yeah um the album was uh Oddie" was uh, was ranked number sixteen on Pitchfork's list of top two hundred
2: songs of the nineties. That song reeks of what Pitchfork would like. <laughs> it just yeah. makes me think of what it was. It's different. Another publication I think hates everything. Yeah, they they're like it's different. Like you know, like they're not rapping, man. They're just speaking. They're talking about like you know the urban scene of the Atlanta nightlife in the nineties, and it's gritty and it's about as real as it gets, man. Ah. Oh, that- <laughs> That
0: sounds like a white guy review of the song, <laughs> especially using the word urban.
2: It's gritty, man. I don't know why I'm sounding like a 70s beatnik. It's gritty, man. It's so gritty.
0: <laughs> um, So it's I'm trying to see how did it sell?
2: Oh, in terms of its um, certifications. Yeah. Oh, uh, also
0: this because this was a big deal at the time. From the source, five mic
2: rating. Yeah, that's a big deal.
0: That was a big, big deal.
2: I know, Don't they go back now and just give everyone five mics for <laughs> like late, like
0: <laughs> later on? It was everybody was getting five mics. Yeah. Um. Like because they eventually gave. There were some albums, they were just given, like, random, randomly five mics. I think, like, a Nicki Minaj mixtape got five mics or something. Um, Trying to see if they had, like, five mics that were re-rated
2: down. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was five mics. We went back, realized, mm, that's, like, three and a half.
0: Oh, it was a Lil' Kim album, The Naked Truth, which that... She got five mics, and I think like it was kind of like at that point, like what are what are y'all doing?
2: These um, mics don't mean anything.
0: <laughs> and then some were not rated, and then later got five mics, or some were rated four and a half mics, and then they were up to five. So, like, the Fuji's the score was originally four mics, and then it was re, <laughs> re- rated to five. So, but. Uh, Outcast, um, Aquemini. Uh I think it was
2: You talking about sales?
0: Yeah, well I'm I'm not seeing the sales unless you see it.
2: Yeah, so certified double platinum in the United States, two million copies.
0: I know that may not seem like a lot to y'all. But that's pretty
2: good. Yeah. That's
0: that's actually really good.
2: Especially for a, a rap album in the mid nineties from a southern group. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Atlanta, like, I think what people are used to now is Atlanta is Atlanta. But Atlanta, what Atlanta is now, it was not in the 90s. It just wasn't. Um, because if it was, um, Raheem the Dream would have been bigger. But he just wasn't. You know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of some Kilo, Kilo Ali, Ali would have yeah. been bigger, but he wasn't. I mean, yeah, y'all know love in your mouth, but that's it. That's all y'all know. <laughs> y'all don't know anything about Kilo Ali. Y'all don't know White Horse. Y'all know, like, I used to listen I'll to this. On Yeah. Like, y'all don't know, oh, baby, baby, <laughs> Like, y'all don't know. <laughs> because it just wasn't as big as, you know, the Atlantis was not as big. It became as big due to the, you know, the work that artists like OutKast and Jermaine Dupri put in to really make, and then to a later extent, T.I. in the early 2000s. And then next thing you know, Snap Music, Crunk Music, Lil Jon, and you know next thing you know like it's it's taken over you know but back then it just you know, it just wasn't what it was yeah. so yeah 2 million, 2 million debuted at number 2 on the charts not in the debut but this its peak position was number 2 on the hot, uh, on the billboard 200 so you know it it didn't do bad for itself and i think the single rosa parks helped like I said, it was a catchy song a nice beat i don't know how many people actually paid attention to the lyrics but you know Andre said it best. Y'all hear me. You just want to dance. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, that will do it for our discussion on, uh, outcast a and I. and we'll get to my earworm of the week. Uh, I've been listening to, um, not only, uh, you know, the eighties music that I had talked about that was greatly produced, but I'm trying to get a hold on this, what is considered disco or post disco. Okay. And there were a lot of, um, a lot of songs that, uh, part of the post disco era, or it was like, it was well produced, but I guess, it seemed like Chic might have been the only black artist be uh, allowed to participate in disco, <laughs> but I consider this a post disco song because I think it came out in like 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's this band called actually 1979. So, uh, but it's this band called GQ, and I was working on a on a, a radio show, and they wanted they wanted to play the song during their show. And I had heard the song before, but I didn't know who made it. Mm. And um, and I looked on YouTube and these, the, the guys, the, this is a band. They performed it on American bandstand.
2: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: And I, I thought like this was, this had to be a hit song. And when it came out, <laughs> like for you, there, yeah, Dick Clark calls you, calls you up, you know? <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, I I I I like the song. Um, it it is a disco song, but I think it was part of the, you can consider it part of the post disco era. Uh, so it's called Disco Nights, <laughs> by GQ, and uh, it'll play here correctly. There we go, and we'll be right back. That is Disco Nights by GQ from their album Disco Nights. I wonder where they spent their evenings.
1: At 54.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you can find that on our BTTYT Airworms playlist right now on Spotify.
2: Well, unfortunately, he died a few years ago. Yeah, he's good.
0: Um, they, this was really their, like their biggest hit. I think they had another song, um, that I'm not familiar with. And they also had a cover of, um, Boogie Oogie Oogie. Mm-hmm. They, they covered that song <laughs> on their album, I think. Um, so that will bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, if you see on the screen where you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, where you can listen to us on the go in podcast form. Um, So, yeah. uh, Well, Ben, what should we end this episode with? Return of the G. Return of the G, which was actually the first song on the album. (laughs) But, yeah, we can definitely do that. Um, Well, I'd like to thank you all for listening and indulging in our... Um, shenanigans
2: I love our, our, our state <laughs> yeah.
0: and uh, we'll figure out what part 4 which will close the Georgia series um, and then we'll be getting into Black Music Month and uh, we have some ideas for that so thank you for listening and stay tuned with us we're going to end the show with Return of the G and we'll talk to you guys very very soon yeah. peace peace
1: yeah it goes like this right here it's like uh niggas I always be hollering peace you know what I'm saying peace my brother peace this peace that you know what I'm saying but every time I, I uh try to get a peace of mind niggas try to get a peace of mind so I gotta grab my peace it's the return of the gangsta, gangsta The niggas that song that blow that run up in your crib Which contains your lady and an 8 month old child to raise Plus you true blue about this music But they do not want to hear because they'd rather be bouncing and shooting and killing And bouncing and shit, get down Return of the Gangsta, gangster Them niggas that think y'all something Say y'all be gospel rapping But they be steady clapping When you talk about bitches and switches And hoes and clothes and weed Let's talk about time traveling Round javelin Something mind unraveling Get down Return of the Gangsta, gangster Them niggas that got them kids They got enough to buy an ounce But not enough to bounce them kids to the do it to the park So they grow up in the dark Never seeing light so they end up being like Yo, ass, Robbing niggas and broad ass They like, get down Return of the gangsta, gangsta. The niggas who get the wrong impression of expression. Then the question is big. Well, what's up with Andre? Is he in the coke? Is he on drugs? Is he gay? When y'all gonna break up? When y'all gonna wake up, nigga? I'm feeling better than ever. What's wrong with you? You get down. Gangsta,